share with you a sermon I've titled Behold. Tell somebody behold. Tell another behold. And behold simply means to see or to look at or to gaze upon or to have your eyes fixed on something or someone. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's start from there and then work our way. Behold. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Yeah. But we all, with unveiled face, mm. beholding us in a mirror, yeah. the glory of the Lord. So we all, with unveiled faces, beholding us in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. All right. It says, as we behold as a mirror, the glory of God, we also are being transformed into that same image that we are gazing upon. The truth of the matter is that whatever you behold, you become. Whatever you gaze upon, whatever has your attention, whatever has your eyes fixed upon it, has the ability to transform you to become another of it. One thing um, about what we see is that what you see, you become. What you see, you can create. And what you see, you can possess. See what I see, I can become. What I see, I can become. What I see, I can create. What I see, I can. And what I see, I can possess. What I see, I can. So the Bible says, we all, with unveiled faces, looking as unto a mirror, the glorious image of God, we are being transformed into that same image. So the Bible will say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Whatever you look onto, whatever you gaze onto, whatever you behold has the ability to bring a certain dimension of transformation to your life. Whenever God wanted to do something in the lives of the patriarch, one of the things he would do is to show them. One of the things he would do is to bring them to a place for them to see. Because if you haven't seen a thing, your mind does not have the ability to capture it and therefore you cannot walk into that reality. Are you with me now? Whatever you see, it is captured in your mind's eye. It becomes another reality that you can walk into and then it becomes your reality physically. The Bible says God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 11. It says, you, you, uh, you, you, Genesis says, you leave your father's house and come to a land that I will give you. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No, it says, I come to a land that I will show you. Leave your father's house. Leave your father's family. Leave everything. I want to bring you to a land I want to show you. When Lot left Abraham, God came to him and said, lift up your eyes. For as far as your eyes can see, 
that is what I give to you. In other words, I am getting ready to give it to you, but before I give it to you, I need for you to capture it in your mind through sight, and then I can give it to you. This morning, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Whatever you are seeing, beloved, it's your reality. If you have a wrong perception of sight as far as your life is concerned, you are already failing before you begin to actually fail. Now, when it comes to seeing, there are always two extremes, especially if it as it concerns your life. There are always two extremes. There are people who are on one, one part of the extreme that think that they are better than everybody. That's one extreme. Nobody's like you. You are better than everybody. As for you, you are just on top. And then there's another extreme on this other side of the spectrum. That says that I am worse. My life is bad. Everybody else is better than me. Whenever you are on these two extremes, there's a problem with your faculty of sight. But in between those two extremes, there is a proper, there's a sweet spot of having the ability to see well concerning the situations you are in. Listen, no matter who you are, the, the way you see the problem is the problem. Everybody has a problem, but how we gaze, how we visualize, how we see the problem is what sets the tone as to whether we will do well, as to whether we can overcome it or not. Now, whenever you are faced with a problem and you see the problem as that thing that has been sent to end you, there is nothing you would do because you have already concluded on the end of the matter that this is where you die. This is the hill upon which you die. And so you will not apply yourself for any effort to bring you victory. You just lie down and give up. The Bible said the other day, when David was sent to his brethren, when he went, he saw Goliath and heard all the things that Goliath was saying. And all the people of Israel also saw him. And when they saw him, they concluded that this is where we are. This is where our life ends. It is over for us. Nothing good can come out of this. Everybody was scattering. Nobody wanted to go closer. The Bible says for 40 days, the Philistine Goliath will come and he will come and defy the armies of Israel. And no man, no man had their guts to stand because of what they saw. They had concluded based on what they saw. And here comes David. As soon as he comes and this man is speaking, the Bible says he's, he goes around and he's asking, what would they do for the man who overcomes this man? In other words, how everybody was seeing Goliath was not how he was seeing him. He was seeing him as a way to get a prize, as a way to get a reward, as a way to begin to receive some benefits from the king. So when he heard that, they, they said the king will, will bless him with so much wealth. The king will even give the daughter in hand of marriage. So he, when the first person said it, the Bible said he went again and asked another person. He wanted to confirm whether it is true. All these things that they say a man will receive when he defeats Goliath. He has a sight set on Goliath. This is what he said. He said to Saul, he said, the same God that saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So how he saw him is what gives the confidence that this guy has overcome Goliath even before they met physically. What do you see? What do you see? If all you see around you is death and pain, that will be captured in your mind and that will be your expectation in life. In fact, there are people when good things begin to happen, they become afraid. Because they wonder for how long? When, when will this one to end? In fact, when somebody enters their life and begins to show them love, they are uncomfortable with the kind of love they are being shown. 
is too much. Because they are programmed, all they have seen in their lives is pain and, and heartbreak and all manner of things. So when somebody is, being, is showing them something else, they are calculating, when will this one to end? What do you see? God told Abraham, as far as your eyes can see. See, there are many times when I am praying about something specific, I have a picture or a video playing of the thing that I want to see in my life playing. Because I want to capture it in my mind's eye so it becomes a reality. The Bible said the other day concerning those who were building the Tower of Babel, God said, and the Bible said God came down and saw that the people had become as one. And he said, because of this, nothing they have imagined to do will be impossible for them. In other words, whatever, because of that unity, whatever they have captured in their mind will become their reality. As you are seated, what is in your mind? What, is your, what have you seen? What have you captured in your mind concerning your future? Because if you have given up already in your mind, we need to start working on your mind before you begin to see some breakthroughs. What God hasn't shown you, what God hasn't given you the privilege to see, you will not experience in your life. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, what do you see? What do you see? Ask the one behind you, say, what do you see? Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 13, 14 and 15. Genesis 13, yes, sir. 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lord had separated from him. What did he say? Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Okay. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. So where, what, from where you are now, lift up your eyes north. Lift up your eyes to the east. Lift up your eyes to the west and to the south. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants and, Underline forever. the word see. And underline the word give. Mm. All the land which you see, what would I do to it? I will give it to you. Which means that the lands he couldn't see, he wasn't going to get. Does that make sense? So all the land that you see, as far as your eyes can see. So whatever is captured by your eyes and registered in your mind, that becomes your reality you can walk in. So if there was a part of the land his eyes didn't see, Abraham, you are not going to get it. Church, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see about yourself? What do you see? How do you see things happening? Somebody, when he sees marriage, he sees marriage as, hey, it won't work. It won't work. When he sees a business, ah, it won't work. Everything that is captured in their minds is about failure and struggle and and um, won't do well. No. You need to begin to reorient your mind and begin to see things properly so that the Spirit of God can partner with you to bring it to pass. Look, the Bible says concerning Job, he said, all that I feared has greatly befallen me. All that I feared. So all that while he was enjoying and he had wealth and everything, in his mind, there was a dimension in his mind where fear was operating. Okay? Now that leads me to two things that obstruct sight. Two things that prevent you from seeing. And it's one of the reasons why the prophetic is very important. 
Because whenever prophecy is released, it creates a vision for you to be able to perceive. It creates a picture for you to gaze upon. When you are told something about it, let, let, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Can I give you an example? Count five here. Just example. Count five this way. As of you are doing your own thing, no? Count five this way. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, count straight this way. One, two, three. You know Korama. 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 What is that? My name. That's your name. Professor. Okay. This is, this, this is, this, wait, this is, this is, this is an example. All right. Okay. These are people, okay, in the spirit, Mm. gathered, and this is placards with that name written on it. This is hair coming, and everybody's excited. Mm. Everybody's happy. Everybody's saying, this is the one we have been waiting for. Now, God said there is a leadership mantle upon your life. Amen. Throughout your life, you have always been a leader. Prophesy. Even in school. Is that mm. true? If, I was the girl's prefect. You were the girl's prefect. Okay. Even in school, leadership mantle. And I am seeing that that same mantle God has put on you will, will be following you as you rise. Mm. And people will just be looking for you wherever you step. When they are looking for somebody to take up a leadership role, somebody to lead for others to follow, it is the grace the Lord has put on you that will speak. And you will be chosen amongst mm. even men and women for you to lead for them to follow. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody celebrate Jesus. Okay, sit down for a minute. Let me continue. We'll continue. See, now, this is an example. Work it. Yeah. So now, this prophecy I've given to her has created a picture of leadership. That is what her gaze is upon now. Am I making some sense? Yeah. So now, that becomes what she's looking onto. The Bible said, looking onto Jesus. You remember, the Bible says concerning Peter, when Peter um, asked Jesus, as you are walking on water, can I walk on water too? Jesus said, of course, you can come. He starts looking on Jesus and starts walking. Then the Bible says, he removes his gaze and looks around him. And as he focuses on the water, he starts sinking. Because the, see, one of the ways the enemy fights you is to ensure and insist that you don't focus on your vision. You don't focus on your assignment. You don't focus on your purpose. He will always have a way of distracting you because he won't come and necessarily fight the vision. All he has to do is to introduce a distraction that removes you from your vision and suddenly that vision will not work anymore. Hallelujah. So all that he does is to introduce distractions. Something to remove you and to remove your gaze. And to remove, so, so that is how come in January of every year, people are, are so focused, they are laser focused on their vision for the year. Have you seen those people? Like this, they, they call it um, um, resolutions. These are my new year, these are my visions for the year. They are focused on them. By the time you get to April, they don't even remember what they wrote. They have been distracted by so many occurrences in life. And so immediately the distraction enters, you have already failed in that vision, in that assignment. Two ways the enemy distracts you from a vision so you don't see well is number one, fear. Fear. Number one, fear. First Samuel. First Samuel. 
17, 24 and 25. First Samuel, 17. First Samuel 17, yes, sir. 24. And all the men of Israel, mm -hmm. when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So when they saw Goliath, what happened to them? They were afraid. They fled because they were afraid. And because they were afraid, they couldn't see the man from the perspective of the kingdom. They couldn't see Goliath as an opportunity for the extension of the power of God. Because they were gripped with fear. So all they saw is that they were doomed. Go ahead. So the men of Israel said. What did they say? Have you seen this man who has come up? Mm. Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. He says, surely he has done what? He has come to defy Israel. Surely. It's like. Because of the fear, they are so sure that he has come to defy Israel. But I mean, but from the way the story ends, we know they, they didn't know what they were talking about. Because his end was in damnation. Mm. So certainly it couldn't have been surely. But because they were afraid, said, surely this guy has come to defy the whole armies of Israel. Their men ran, they couldn't see, they couldn't see him well how God wanted them to see him. When people are afraid, there is a way they see things. There's a way it distracts, it distracts them. Fear has a way of blinding people from seeing things the way they should see. I have taught you time without number that in this kingdom, we don't do anything out of fear. We don't pray because we are afraid. We don't give because we are afraid. We don't fast because we are afraid. Anything that is done from the realm of fear, God rejects it. So the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, not a fearful giver. God doesn't accept things on the basis of fear. When you understand what prayer does for you and to you, you don't pray because a certain Satan is... The Bible has already told you, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we are not programmed to do things simply because the devil is coming. Are you with me now? So even giving out of fear, God will not accept it. I taught you last week, God accepts a man before he accepts his offering. So a man who is fearful, he does, God, the Bible says he does not give us, give us the spirit of fear. So every fear in your spirit clearly is not sourced from God. Fear, whenever the enemy wants to distract you, he will throw in fear. Have you not seen that sometimes you can start imagining certain things and your mood changes on the basis of that imagination? Have you not realized? The thing hasn't happened it hasn't happened yet. But just because you started imagining it, you started thinking about it, your emotions have caught onto what the pictures your mind is playing. And they don't know whether it is true reality or it is in your mind. They begin to bend in conformity with what your mind is captured. So don't allow fear to distract you. I'm afraid. Fear. Some of you, if it wasn't for fear, your business would have been bigger than it is now. If it wasn't for fear. Hallelujah. Because of fear, you are afraid. You are afraid. So you can't take steps. All your mind keeps telling you is, what if I don't do well? What if I fail? So the fear of failure and rejection is what has limited you and kept you where you are. Look at somebody say, I rebuke fear. Or look at somebody, you are rebuking fear in the person. Say, I rebuke, I rebuke fear. Hallelujah. Fear. He uses fear. 
Look at the whole army of Israel. The whole army, the whole men, men of Israel. This guy has come, he's defying you. And the Bible says they're so afraid, not only did they run away, they said, surely he has come to defy the armies of Israel. Look at the way fear has created a false certainty in their minds. False certainty that surely God has, no, it was false. But the confidence with which they spoke about it, you could see fear has really gone far in their spirit. So number one way the enemy distracts you from seeing well is on the basis of fear. Some of you, you could have built your house by now. It is fear that has kept you there. It's fear. Hey, they say, I need, I need one million cities to build. They don't pay me enough to have one million cities. I can't build. Nobody builds in two days. It's a journey. And no matter what, people will finish it. But fear won't even allow you to start at all. Say, come for interview. I'm afraid. What am I going to say? But you want a job. Fear. Somebody say, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You are called. You are anointed. He said, I'm afraid to stand in front of you. I'm going to minister to your chest and your bed for all your life. Somebody, there's, there's potential in you to lead people in the office. To lead teams. Say, I'm afraid I don't know how to talk. See what fear will do to you. They will pick somebody else just because they can talk, even if they don't know the job, and you'll still be reporting to the person. May every spirit of fear that prevents us from seeing well be broken in the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands, shout yes. yes. Number two is offenses. Offenses. Number two is offenses. As often we read this scripture. Proverbs 19.11 Proverbs 19.11 Proverbs 19.11 Yes sir The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression What is that King James? And, and read, 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 and I. A person's wisdom yields patience. Mm. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to do what? Overlook an oh, offense. Oh, talk to me now. It is to one's glory to do what? Overlook an offense. Overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to overlook. In other words, the offense is trying to capture your attention. But it is to your own glory to overlook beyond it. Overlook an offense. Because offenses have a way of clouding your vision and preventing you from seeing well. When somebody has hurt you or you are hurt, there's a way you perceive reality. Are you with me now? There's a way you think everybody doesn't like you. And it is your own mind that is distracting you from reality because of offenses. The truth of the matter is that no matter who you are, you will be offended one day. No matter how angelic all your friends are around you, you will be offended one day. 
If, if nobody has offended you before, everybody is pretending to you, I'm telling you. If nobody has offended you before, everybody is pretending to you, or you are lying to yourself. The system that with the world operates is such that we will not always see eye to eye. Or even people born by the same father and mother, sometimes they offend each other. Some people even offend each other a lot. And so if such a stable of human existence is what you have fallen on to distract you, you will always be distracted in life. You will always be distracted. Your offense will be there, but how you choose to overlook it is what will bring the glory. It says, it is the glory of a wise man to overlook offenses. Some of you, your boss has the ability to open a door for you, but you are so offended by your boss such that you are not seeing things well, so the door is being locked. There are people who have answers that you are, you are ardently looking for, but because you are offended, you can't bring yourself to receive the help that God is sending you away. Understand that God's help will not always come to you in vessels you like. He has promised you a glorious end. He has not promised you that the end will come through vessels you like. So they can, the help can come in shapes and forms and sizes and, and, and appearances that you don't agree with. Your job is to look beyond and see well. To look beyond and to see well. Imagine John, John the Baptist, born to Zacharias. Softway and Elizabeth. Sofwabapa. On both sides, like lineage of priesthood, priesthood lineage. You started your ministry even first. First. You had your own ministry running. People were leaving the villages and nearby cities to come and hear the word of the Lord for you to baptize them. And then here comes a cousin. Or a family member, let me put it that way, in the person of Jesus. That number one, you are older than. Number two, there is controversy surrounding his birth. Number three, you have started ministry before he started. And then he is coming. He has fans, Kakra, but you started before him. Many people would have been offended in Jesus. Many people. Would have been angry. Don't you know I'm supposed to be your spiritual father? I started before. Come and let me lay hands. <laughs> the Bible says, he said, this is a lamp of God that taketh away the sins of this world. He said, the man that is coming, he's so great that I'm not even qualified to untie his shoes. So as soon as he comes, he sent all his followers to follow him. This is the one we have been waiting for. He is not offended. He is overlooking any potential human weaknesses that will cause offense and pointing them to Jesus the Christ. And he's taking a back seat and he's saying, now it is your time, take over. Offense has a way of clouding your judgment. You will not see well and it will push you to do things that will stop God's purpose in your life. How many of you have been offended before? Oh, let me see your hand up. 
Yeah. It's it's part of human existence. Oh me if you are if 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 you are my pastor and I haven't offended you before then I'm sorry it is coming. Sorry for the delay. It is normal. I will offend you. As Pastor Mike, I offend him almost every day. On a daily basis. Look at Jesus walking with Peter. And Peter thinks that he's, he's demonstrating loyalty to Jesus. Like, like a certain level of loyalty. Hey, who allowed them to kill you? Whoever tried will kill the person. And Jesus is just looking at him. You Satan, get thee behind me. Where? Ah, I am showing everybody I love you. I'm showing everybody I am with you. I even want to die for you. And you are calling me Satan in front of everybody else. You call, I was one of the first people you called as your disciple. All these other people, they came to meet me. I am a senior disciple. You are disgracing me in front of all these people. You are, you are disgracing me. That's some of your problem. Offense, you baby, I offended one. Left ventricle. <laughs> Hallelujah. The next verse, then you see Peter following again. Because he has seen this is the Christ. He said, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And so once he has captured that reality in his mind, there's nothing else that would come and obstruct him from seeing what he has seen. Not offense, not, not fear, nothing would distract him. You are the Christ. You, you are the Christ. Period. From now to the end of the year, how do you see your year ending? And are you going to sit there and allow fear and offenses to prevent you from ending well? Some of you, but for, but for offense, the kind of anointing you would have been carrying by now. The kind of anointing. You are offended. You are bitter. So the anointing can flow. One of the first lessons my father taught me, he said, if you want to do well in the prophetic ministry, don't harbor offense. Don't be bitter. Don't be bitter about anything. Because those days, me, I used to be very bitter. Very, very bitter. I didn't understand why human beings would behave like that. Because I have a good heart for everybody. So the least I expect is you to have a good heart for me. But as I matured, I realized that <laughs> Maybe a cobra. Maybe hey, a cobra. And as I matured, I realized that like Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Offenses can poison your heart. I was teaching our pastors the other day. I said, look, the offense is not really the problem. Your reaction to an offense is always on the basis of how you feel about the person in the first place. Are you with me now? It's how you feel about the person. And so if you like somebody very much and they offend you, you are more likely to overlook the offense and make excuses in your mind for them. But if you don't like the person, you are even waiting for them to do something. So you add it to all the things you say they have done to you already. Am I making some sense? Yeah. So, so if, if um, the, for example, where's, where's Nathaniel? I will be preaching about You see, I'm offending him right now. I'm just doing an example. 
very practical. And I'm doing it in front of everybody. Right? How he feels about me and the honor he has for me would, would allow him to just laugh about it and move on. If it were you, Apostle has disgraced me. Ah, look at me, look at, look at, look at, he has disgraced me. So how you feel, and the example I use all the time, so when there's a thief outside, and they are beating the thief, how many of you have heard that example before? Yeah, they are beating the thief, and you go and you don't know the person from Adam, your, your, in, your intuitive response is likely to be, Yambono, they should beat him. I confirm say ah no more say ah confirm wait wait last time Jamal no be we have near man era or can we the same story the same scenario when you go it is your brother that they are beating or you change your 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 tone you say oh 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 munya but again cannibal kwe and I say wait I had young kwe and then young now five munto mo boni and can seven. So the, the theft is the same. It's how you feel towards the individual in question that determines your reaction to the offense. So if you don't like the person, you are more likely to be, to be angry about the offense. But if you, you, are, you really honor the person or you have respect for the person, there's a way you overlook it. Am I making some sense? Offense blinds people from seeing well. From Siwa, look at what the Bible. Let me give you a few scriptures, and then we can pray. A few scriptures. Isaiah forty-three, eighteen and nineteen. Isaiah forty-three. Isaiah forty-three, eighteen. Yes, sir. Forget the former things. Uh huh. Do not dwell on the past. Yes. See, I am. Is that what? Is that what? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And then the next thing he says is what? See. Oh, come on, shout it. He says what? See. He says see. Underline it in your Bible. See. No, say the end. See, I I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness. Yes. And streams in the wasteland. So see, I am doing a new... Do you not perceive it? I, I want to do a new thing, but you need to see it. Every time I'm praying at dawn, I see this place filled to capacity. I see. I see the whole place. People even outside, I see. I, I choose to see. Many years ago, when we were under the tent here, and we were about 14... I was telling them, I see an auditorium right here and people have filled it. I see. Sometimes, even when God hasn't opened your eyes to see, my dear, see. Hey, see. When you are walking, ah, today I'm walking, but I see my car is coming. I see. I see. I am, I am in somebody's house, but I see my new house. I see my new house. I see. Hallelujah. See. The, see, I do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? It's asking you a question. See it all. Can't you perceive it? I am doing it. Are you with me now? Ask your neighbor, what do you see? Some of you, the things you are seeing are too small. They are, they are too small. 
You need to start seeing well. You need to start seeing well. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1, 17 and 18. This is Paul speaking. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. Ephesians 1, 17. Yes. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh -huh. the glorious Father, uh -huh. may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay. So that you may know him better. Okay. So Paul is speaking, he says, I keep praying. So one, one thing I keep praying for you is that the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will give you number one, wisdom. Is that in your Bible? Number one, knowledge. Go ahead. The glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So, so wisdom and revelation. So that you may know him better. So that you will know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened uh -huh. in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Uh -huh. The riches of his glorious inheritance uh -huh. in his holy people. So there's a glorious hope here. The riches of his glory is here. And you are standing here. Paul says, I pray that the Lord will, will cause the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened so that this reality will be captured in your life. It is already there, the hope of his calling. It is already there, the riches of his glory. It's already there. But if your eyes are not enlightened, the eyes of your heart are not enlightened to see, to perceive, you will not capture it and it will not be your reality. What do you see? What do you see? For you, I see a multi-million dollar business. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, I see, I see children that are doing so well all around you. Amen. For you, I see, for you and your children, you are for, for impact in your generation. Amen. For PVC, I see an army of the Lord making impact Amen. in different industries and different aspects of existence in this nation and beyond. Amen. Somebody say, I see well. I, I see, see well. well. I see well. Let's end with this scripture. Jeremiah chapter 1. Now God has called Jeremiah. He says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I ordained you as a prophet. And I called you to uproot, to destroy, to break, tear down, to plant. And he's saying all these things. So for read. Verse 9. What's it again? Jeremiah 1, 9. Yes. So 9 to 11. Yeah. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. So he reached out his hand after saying all these things and touched the mouth of Jeremiah. And said to me, yeah. I have put my words in your mouth. I have put my word in your mouth. See, today. Stop. Is that what? See, I have put my word in your mouth. Don't go and talk. But first, see. Some of us will just, the word will be in our mouth and we'll just go and start talking. You need to see first. Go ahead. See, today see. I appoint you over nations yes, sir. and kingdoms to uproot mm. and tear down, mm. to destroy and mm. overthrow, yes. to build and to plant. Yes. The word of the Lord came to me. Mm -hmm. What do you see, Jeremiah? What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree. He says, I, I see the branch of an almond tree. And I said, I replied, what did God say after that? 
the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly. You have seen correctly. For I am watching to see that my because, word is fulfilled. Because I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. He says, what do you see? He says, this is what I see. God says, yes, you have seen well. Because I am watching. As, as a consequence of what you have seen, I am about to do something. I am watching my word to perform. What do you see, Jeremiah? I have put my words in your mouth. Those words I have put in your mouth, I want you to now see, so that when you see, I now watch over my words to perform. It wasn't enough that the words were there. It wasn't enough that he was supposed to go and release the word. It was more important that he sees correctly so that God now becomes a watchman over his word. I watch over the words to perform. Says you have seen correctly. Which means there's a correct way of seeing things and there's a wrong way of seeing things. There's a proper way of seeing things and there's an absolutely wrong way of seeing things. So, so the problem is not what you are looking at, it's the way you choose to look at the thing. For the children of Israel, they looked at Goliath and he was a problem. For David, he was looking at the same entity, but the way he looked at it was so totally different. What do you see, Jeremiah? That was what God, today my question to you is, what do you see, Michael? What do you see, Esther? What do you see, Mavis? What do you see? Akosia, what do you see? What do you see? Exams now on try You have already seen the F. Hey, madam. F no who dada. And the other car now also so dada. But so dada now mass need chase you. Mass is chasing. Dy dx. Hey, what do you see? What do you see? Look, as you step out into the world from tomorrow, choose to see correctly. Yeah, choose. Look, the world will, will tell you things. There will always be one news or the other. Look, bad news has a way of selling. Sensationalized news sells best. So it will always be communicated in a way to achieve the sales they are looking for. But for you, you know the kingdom you are coming from and you know how we see things. So choose to see correctly. Choose to see correctly. Are you with me? Choose to see correctly. The Bible says, if, if the prince of this world had known that by, by um, um, killing Jesus, he would have, he would, he would have um, by killing Jesus, he has, he has rather caused him to be raised up in glory, he wouldn't have. Some of you, if the, if the enemy knew that by touching you, he had just opened more doors for you. He wouldn't have wasted his time. He said, he will come in one way, but they will flee in seven ways. If you would have known that by coming in one way, seven new doors would be open for me, they wouldn't have wasted their time. That's how I choose to see. If the enemy had known that by attacking our building, now, now we have more room to expand. More room. He wouldn't have touched us. What are you talking about? Ask somebody, how do you see... How do you see? How do you see? They gave you a rejection letter and you are crying. How do you see? Look beyond it. There's another dimension coming. Can you rise to your feet? I want us to pray. Now, Father, help me see well. Help me see right. Help me see according as you have purposed. 
Help me see. Lift up your voice. Begin to pray. Help me see. Help me see. Thank you for listening to the Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr. For more of these messages, please subscribe to his podcast and SoundCloud. It's Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr. To interact with him, like his page on Facebook, follow him on Twitter at Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr.